Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Motherkind podcast with me, your host, Zoe Blasky. How are you all? Thank you so much for your feedback on my 100th episode. I was super nervous to put it out, as I always am. I think it's very human to be nervous when we are vulnerable, but I've been so warmed by your responses and I really do read every single one, even if I might not have got back to you. I don't have much childcare at the moment, so replying to messages is something that I'm just, I'm not getting to as much as I would like, but I want you to know that I'm incredibly grateful for you listening and your feedback. So thank you so much. This week, I have an incredible episode for you. It's a returning guest. Do you remember when we had Eve Rodsky on the podcast, who is the author of Fair Play? It's actually one of the top three episodes that I've ever done because Eve talks about how to get more equality at home. Eve is working to change society one marriage at a time and she's got this new solution which is called Fair Play. It's actually a game that you play with your partner. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first episode if you enjoy this one and you haven't listened to that one yet. So this situation I think has highlighted for so many what us mothers do, the incredible mental load, invisible labour that we do to keep our households running. And as what, you know, I'm sure you've seen that post going around on Instagram, which said, and no one ever asked a full-time mother what she did all day, ever again. And it's so true, isn't it? So with this new visibility of our invisible labour, how can we start to even out the playing field? Eve says we cannot possibly get equality in the workplace until we have equality at home. And I think that is so true. So Eve invites us to treat this moment that we're in, this kind of pause of real life, as an opportunity to model fairness for the next generation, to model fairness for your colleagues, to model fairness for your community. And this episode is going to show you how to do that. So we talk about communication. Eve says you cannot communicate too much right now with your partner about managing this household and about your relationship. So she shares tons of ideas on how to do that communication. She does a brilliant quiz about what your communication style is. And I share mine. She also talks about this dirty dozen in lockdown, which are the 12 tasks at home, which are causing the most stress that she found in her research and what we can do about them. You won't be surprised to hear that laundry is the top of that list. I know that causes stress in our house. We also talk about homeschooling because I know that is a pinch point for so many of us right now and the importance of making time for ourselves. I love Eve. We have become friends. She is an incredible woman. She has that formidable combination of incredible intelligence, which really shines through in the way that she articulates 
this challenge and what we can do about it but also she has a real warmth and humor about her so i really hope you enjoy this episode please do get in touch let me know what you thought over on instagram motherkind underscore zoe or drop me an email zoe at motherkind.co and here is the episode So Eve, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited that you have agreed to come back on. Your first interview on when you first launched Fair Play did incredibly well. I haven't told you this. It's actually in the top three interviews I've ever done out of a hundred episodes. No way. I didn't know that. (laughs) I should have messaged you to tell you. So, you know, what I take from that is that your message around Fair Play resonated incredibly deeply with my audience. So I'm super excited that we're going to be talking about how does fair play apply in this crazy lockdown situation that we find ourselves in. First first of all, I'm just wondering how you are doing, because I imagine given your message, you've probably never been more in demand. And yet I know that you also have a partner that works and two kids. So how is it going for you? Yes, actually, I have three kids, which makes it a little more complicated. But yeah, thank you, Zoe, for asking. It's going well. I feel like I saw you before you had your baby. So it feels like we connected in a totally different world. But I think the beautiful thing is one man said to me, the invisible is now visible on Zoom. So at least that is moving forward, this cultural movement, right, to value the invisible work of women because at least it's no longer invisible in a lot of ways. So I think that's the beauty of this time. But of course, it's a crazy time, just like I'm sure we're all feeling those mixed emotions of grief and stress and confusion. That's how it feels for me every day, just sort of a cycle of just confusion, bursts of happiness, urgency to get the fair play message out, all of those things. Yeah, I saw on Instagram, did you see that meme going around that said, and suddenly no one ever asked a full-time mother what she did ever again? Yes, yes. I posted that. I love that meme. It's everything to me. There really is no way, I think, to let that genie go back in the bottle. I think even some of the most traditional households where men are still home, I've spoken to some of those homes. As much as those men want to avoid what's happening or even lock themselves in another room, they're seeing the stress on their partners. And then even the most progressive households, there's a lot of interesting conversations happening. So I'd love to share some of my new data with your audience, since obviously, as you know, Fair Play had the 500 plus interviews that I shared with you the first time. But in this crazy uh, lockdown, the past months, I've been able to go out over social media and get more than 100 responses to a survey and speak to a lot of couples on Zoom. So I have some new data to share with everybody. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So do you want to share that? Do you want to share that? And then maybe that could be our jumping off point for our discussion. Absolutely. So if there's obviously a first responder or someone who's had significant job loss. Um, Those are what I call in fair play, the wild cards. Obviously they require immense communication. There are a lot of stress, but what I want to just talk about is actually not those issues, but really just the day-to-day stressors that um, a lot of people are facing when especially two people are now trying to work from home in whatever capacity that they're doing it. I sent out a survey of all the fair play cards, um, which you can find, you know, in fair play life. 
the website, I had couples circle or report back to me, what are the cards? Because as you know, or your audience may know from our first podcast, Fair Play is a metaphor. It's a self-help book, personal growth, but it really is based on this card game, which is a mediation tool that you can play with your partner. And there's a hundred cards in the Fair Play system that represent all that it takes to run a home and raise a family, 60 cards. If you don't have children, 40 additional cards if you do. So I asked the couples, what Fair Play cards are causing the most stress in your home right now. And Zoe, it was a dirty dozen, a baker's dozen if you have children. So these were the cards that were circled or identified as the ones causing the most stress and sort of just a typical home right now. Those were laundry, groceries, meals, home supplies, who's buying the masks and the hand sanitizer, tidying up, cleaning, dishes, and garbage. And if you have children, it was discipline and screen time, homework, which has now become homeschool, watching of your kids, whether it's an infant that you're watching all the way to a teenager who may be escaping quarantine, and social interactions for kids. I was actually surprised, Zoe, that that was in the top 12, social interactions for kids. But from what I'm hearing, downloading House Party, getting Zooms for friends, for your kids to see their friends, to socialize. That's causing a lot of stress on parents. Yeah. And and I'm absolutely not surprised to see laundry in there. I'm experiencing that (laughs) firsthand. The laundry is just out of control. It just feels like I just cannot stay on top of the damn thing. It causes me so much stress. And I love that you say that the biggest problems are caused by the smallest details. And I think that is so true. And I want to talk to you about homeschooling. Maybe we focus in on that. Unless there's anything else you want to say about that dirty dozen. No, no. I have a lot of homeschooling um, data too. um, Right. What's working for people, what isn't. But I'd love to talk about that. I mean, if any time where there's a lack of boundaries, right, where our space-time continuum, as we've talked about before, is collapsing on all of us, it's now where, you know, there used to be boundaries. That's one thing I'll say before we go into the actual homeschooling. There used to be boundaries around our lives where, you know, your kids have a place to go to school. You have a place to work, even if it's in your, you know, home office. A lot of people have a place to go to work, which is an out of, you know, the home office. I spoke to one clergy who said to me this week that, The craziest thing for him and why he's having such grief is his lack of boundaries because he says that he's on Zoom now conducting funerals and his wife and his child are pulling on his leg. You know, why aren't you paying attention to me? And he has no transition time to transition from his work as a clergy member to his home. So I think it's very interesting to think about what happens when all of the boundaries that humans sort of create around us collapse. And obviously school is one of those boundaries, a safe space for our children where we don't have to be around them and we get that reprieve. And that has sort of been taken away from all parents and that structure is causing a lot of problems. But I think about boundaries a lot right now. Yeah, me too. Um, because, yeah, because they're, they're lost. Let's talk about boundaries first, because I think it's such a good point that you raise. 
the first thing that I've noticed is that only I'm responsible for my boundaries. That's the first thing, you know, for what my time boundaries are. And I've been thinking a bit about Parkinson's law, you know, that law that says that you will fill up any time that you have for a task. So unless I give a time boundary for how many hours I'm working or when I'm putting down the laptop, no one's going to do that for me. And I've noticed that when I don't set those boundaries, I start to feel really resentful of people around me, even more so than normal. And I think the other thing about boundaries is when we feel unsafe, which I imagine, I know I do, you know, a lot of people do right now, yes. boundaries, putting those boundaries in for ourselves. You know, I know you have some brilliant examples, you know, around daily communication boundaries and time boundaries. I think they can make us feel safer. Have you seen some of that in your interviews or maybe in your own experience? Yes. I think it's important. And again, I really do want to get to homeschooling because that is a boundary. But I think maybe Zoe, we talk first about what you just said, which is how to set boundaries. So when women are the she fault parents, right? There's no boundaries, right? Because everything is defaulting to us. When you are the she fault or the default, right? The she fault, then Unfortunately, it's up to us to set our own boundaries, like you said. I wish that the default was the other way, you know, so that we didn't necessarily have to have the urgency to set these boundaries. But really, that's what the fair play cards do. The best way to set boundaries is to enter a system. And I think people are really scared of those ideas right now. What does a system mean? How do I communicate right now? Maybe it's better for me just to wait But actually, I will argue that this is the exact right time to set your systems. And let me just reiterate what a system means so that it's not scary for your listeners. What I mean by a system is just really three things. A system are communication tools. They are practices to allow you to have clearly defined expectations. That's all it is. It's just clearly defined expectations, which lead to fairness and transparency and where everybody can know their role. That's really all a system is. And those things, the idea of getting clearly defined expectations in advance are really the best way to set boundaries. And so how do you do that in a pandemic? Well, we have to invest in our communication with our partners the same way that we're investing in in toilet paper. More women were willing to admit to me that they're spending more time trying to procure home supplies like toilet paper and masks than they are sitting down with their partners to invest in their relationship. So I think I'd love to talk practically with your listeners, really, because we did a lot of consciousness raising in our first podcast, and hopefully people will go back and listen to that. Mm. But this one, I think we should get really practical about how do you communicate in this time so that you can set those boundaries. So you talk about intentional communication. Tell us what intentional communication is versus maybe unintentional. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think um, there's three steps to that. And I love that you made that distinction. So let's talk about the three steps to effective communication. Those three steps, and we can go in order, really are knowing that you're communicating in the first place. So we'll talk about that. Setting those boundaries around communication. Uh, It's communicating when emotion is low and cognition is high. And the third step is really knowing and starting with your why. So I think we can go in order. But Step one is, and we talked a little bit about this in in our last podcast, but I think it's important to drill down. Step one is really knowing that you're communicating. So I think 
it's really interesting to me that so many women and men in my interviews were willing to say to me that they don't communicate about domestic life, especially not now because it's too triggering. But as we've talked about, we are communicating about domestic life, right? I think I told you about that one woman, right? Who said to me, she doesn't communicate about domestic life, right? And then 20 minutes later, she tells me that she dumps wet clothes on her husband's pillow and he forgets to put them in the dryer. (laughs) Um, Or, right, the woman who told me that she doesn't communicate about domestic life and then I find out she has an Instagram account, all the shit my husband doesn't pick up. More recently, I reached out to a woman who told me she doesn't communicate about domestic life But I found out that she was posting on this 27,000 member COVID group called The Reasons I Hate My Husband. And in that group, she wrote, if my husband dies during COVID-19, it's not because of the disease, it's because of me. So she's willing to publicly threaten murder of her husband in a public forum, but she's not willing to communicate daily with him face to face. Uh, So I think rule number one is to understand that we're already communicating. And once we recognize that, you know, fair play, what I'm asking you all to do to help me with in this cultural movement is a communication shift, not a communication start. More people were willing to come to the table to say, we are already communicating. Let's do it in a different, more intentional way. Maybe it'll be fun, Zoe, if you would indulge me in my communication vulnerability quiz. Yeah, go on. Um, <laughs> okay. For your listeners. Um, I'd love to do it sort of a game. I don't know if you had anything like that in the UK, but I want to ask you and tell me what your partner's name is again. Guy. Guy, right. Yeah. I'm going to list seven communication vulnerabilities that I've identified in my decade long work as a mediator for highly complex families and a lawyer for those families. These are seven vulnerabilities that were the most popular in my work, my day job. And so I'm going to read them to you. And I want to know what you think Guy would say about you. What he would say is your number one communication vulnerability. So I'm going to read them to you. One, long-winded. Wah, 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 you're talking and no one's listening. Two, sharp command, sir. Your tone and drill sergeant delivery isn't popular with the troops. Three, bad timing. You drop your grievances and requests for help into the conversation at inopportune moments. Thanks for the flowers, honey, but you forgot dishwashing detergent again. Four, toxic word choice. I wasn't going to say anything, but I really hate it when you dot, dot, dot. Five, all or nothing. You never replace the toilet paper roll. You always leave the seat out. Six, dredging up the past. This is just like the last time you forgot to dot, dot, dot. Seven, boiling over. I wasn't going to say anything. I didn't say anything. And now I'm really pissed. I avoided the conversation and now I need to talk. So one, long-winded. Two, sharp commands and tone. Three, bad timing. Four, toxic word choice. Five, all or nothing. Six, dredging up the past. Or seven, boiling over. What do you think I would say about you? Honestly, I'd probably say I do a little bit of all of those (laughs) at some point. (laughs) But I think the one that I tend to do I think my dominant one would be the boiling over where I tend to kind of think I'm gonna let that slide I'm gonna let that slide I'm gonna let them slide and then in a moment where I might be feeling overwhelmed or stressed I can just then snap and to Guy I think it comes out of nowhere I think he's yes. like what was that about because I've kind of thought well, actually how important is it you know I'm just gonna let that go instead of just saying actually like 
when you do that, it makes me feel this. Or, you know, the other one that I think is the all or nothing, black and white thinking. I can go there Mm -hmm. quite quickly. I have to really watch those words that you called out, those always, (laughs) those nevers. I have to really watch those. I love that. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Of Um, course. Yes. Well, I think it's really helpful for us all to know our vulnerability. Mine are really tone and bad timing, which also can sort of link back to the boiling over. So I think let's talk about yours and mine. Let's talk about sort of the twins of boiling over and bad timing. Because for me, I'm also in those boiling over situations, which means that often my communication is coming out of bad timing with a terrible tone or sort of like you an all or nothing mentality. Like, why do you never help out? You know, why is it always me? Right. So it's just a lot of that. And I hope your listeners will sign up at Fair Play Life for our newsletter or go on and take the quiz. I think it's important to know your communication vulnerability because then once you have that awareness, then even recognizing it, noticing when you use it can be very constructive. So that's rule number one. But what is rule number two of intentional communication? Rule number two of intentional communication is recognizing your vulnerability and then doing something about it. So um, let's talk about yours again, boiling over. So can you give me an example of when maybe you boiled over? Um, let me try and think of one recently or even the past or anything probably around the dishwasher <laughs> right, right. Um, where a guy sort of says that I don't stack it right basically and I'll, I'll let it go let it go let it go and then I'll be tired or something and I'll put a cup in wrong and he'll say why can't you do it right and I will just snap Right, right, right. And I'll yes, be like, like we said, it's just the dishwasher, you know, but I'll get angry about that because I'll feel criticized in that moment. Totally. And so also, I think he's using some bad timing at you as well. And so what's interesting about that, right, is that example is a prime example where you're both communicating when, for whatever reason, right, emotion is high and cognition is low. And so that feedback in the moment is rule number two. So rule number two is to avoid feedback in the moment. And that's really hard, Zoe, for me. I spent 20 pages in fair play arguing for why feedback in the moment is so toxic. But even till this day, right, I've been playing fair play and learning about these concepts for eight years. And holding my tongue, waiting for it, writing it down is something that's a practice. It really is a practice. And practice does make Perfect. And so that is rule number two is if you cannot give feedback in the moment and you can understand that when you communicate when emotion is high and cognition is low, it can be toxic in the long term. And don't just take it from me, right? I talk about it through a behavioral economics lens. Uh, Dan Ariely gives a quote on it. I have the Gottmans quoted in there, um, other psychologists, professors all telling you in fair play why feedback in the moment is toxic. So that means we have to find a time when we can communicate with our partners when emotion is low and cognition is high. So what I want to ask your listeners is to invest again in your relationships, like you're investing in toilet paper. Find a time for a nightly check-in. It used to be a weekly check-in for me and Seth and fair play and a lot of people who are using the concepts of the book, we're doing it weekly, but mostly now, and this gets back to homeschooling, 
many, many couples are saying the nightly check-in, 10 minutes. I don't mean going on forever for all of you who long-winded is your vulnerability. I mean, set a timer, literally set a timer on your phone for 10 minutes where you're connecting eye to eye with your partner. And then you can talk about what the next day looks like, because that is the key to the homeschool where if you don't want it to be a default on you as a woman, that nightly check-in of who's doing what, the clearly defined expectations of who is handling, watching your children the next day, who's helping them with their logging in to whatever school form password or portal you need to do, whatever Zoom link, that is the key. That nightly check-in, especially for Seth and me right now, and we do set a timer. Yeah, We set it for yeah. 10 minutes. And that 10 minutes for us, and often we do it with, you know, alcohol or food, (laughs) you know? So last night I brought gumballs. I know this sounds really gross and embarrassing, but I found the kid's stash of gumballs and I just brought a giant bowl of gumballs and I was just shoving gumballs in my mouth during our check-in. But that's what I felt like eating. I felt like having like very vibrant kids candy last night, something that was fun and colorful that sort of counteracted all of the sort of dread and the stress of all this monotony. So do whatever you want, bring a tequila, but spend 10 minutes together checking in at night. Are there like set questions that yes. found yes. helpful? Okay, can you share what sort of questions we should be asking each other in that check Yes, yes. Well, that is rule number three. The questions come out of your why. Just like you would prepare for a business meeting, right? Or even your parent-teacher conference for your kids. The questions that you will ask in that check-in will start with your why. So that's rule number three. So just to recap, right, we talked about our communication vulnerability, understanding that we're already communicating and shifting that communication to really understanding what it looks like to have a nightly check-in where you're communicating when emotion is low and cognition is high. But number three is, what are you going to talk about during that check-in? When you ask your partner to come to the table, well, thinking about your why in advance is really helpful. So what is your why for being there? Sometimes I say to Seth, and we come to the table with our why, where I say to him, my why tonight is actually not to talk about tomorrow. We'll deal with that, you know, maybe in the morning. My why in our check-in tonight is just to connect with you because I've seen a lot of your ass or your back of your head because you're running with Ben while I'm running with Anna. Like I haven't seen your face. So my why tonight with our 10 minutes is just like to connect. Like, how are you? What's going on? Like, how is this week feeling for you? Is this a stressful week, a hopeful week? That sometimes is my why. Other times my why is to deal with the things I held my tongue on during the day where I'm so fucking pissed at Seth because, you know, during his homeschool hour, I'm watching sort of Ben run around the yard and he's on a phone call or vice versa. He does that to me or he said he was going to do something and he didn't do it. Sometimes my why is just to say, I need to get these things off my chest. So before I boil over, and I think knowing your why before you go into your nightly check-in, it can be really powerful because then you can communicate it. I'm here because I don't want to boil over, but something really stupid has been bothering me. Every time that you buy fruit, you've been putting it in the freezer why fruit goes in the refrigerator, you know, just like things like that. <laughs> but like that happened to us once, like Seth would go and he'd be amazing. He'd get the groceries, but then he'd put it away, which I'd love, but like the blueberries and the strawberries would end up in the freezer. I was so confused. Like why I, the fresh fruit is meant to like be eaten. 
And I love how you said that, you know, something really stupid is bothering me because that's almost like a phrase that I use, which is the story I'm telling myself is that you don't care about my work because you didn't show up on the time that we agreed. And I think that kind of phrase, like you said, it's the stupid thing or the story I'm telling myself or what I'm making up about your behavior is that is so helpful. Just again, like breaking down that ego state that I know I can get locked in where I think it's all about me and he's doing it to me. Absolutely. And the beauty is like, I think a lot of, you know, sort of self-help articles I'm seeing says start with your I statements. That's not as helpful to me because I think if I used I statements, it would be things like, I hate you, right? Or I, I fucking want you to stop putting the fruit in the freezer, right? It would be, I don't really understand I statements, but I do understand the story I'm telling myself is, which is yes. what you just said. So I love that I one. Do, I do understand my why, right? Here's my why for why I'm here tonight to tell you that I have something really stupid that's been bothering me, but it's bothering me. So I might as well tell you so I don't boil over in the moment. Or my why tonight is just to apologize. Like I had a why the other week where I just said to Seth in our check-in that I just want to apologize because my tone really sucks. My tone really sucks. And it really sucked earlier today. And so I'm sorry that I just started like cursing at you out of nowhere because it was just a bad day. It was just a bad day for me. So going in with your why is really important, but it's those three things together, right? It's understanding that it's not so scary to come to the table if you recognize that this is a practice. And you'll be doing it over and over again. The beauty of that is it allows you to stop boiling over because a lot of people say to me that they have to get everything out because they don't communicate. It's not a practice. So when they're at the table or when they are communicating about domestic life, they do feel like everything has to come out all at once. And so it becomes just this vomit, this sort of verbal diarrhea that the other person can't hear. There's just no help. It's not going to be helpful. You're not going to get any mental relief. You will continue to be the she fault if that's sort of the way that you're communicating because the other person literally, literally can't hear you. And for people that, you know, might be thinking, God, I don't have time. I've had less time. I know most working parents feel like this, that they've had less time than they have ever had. I saw you wrote on Instagram, use your commute time to communicate. And I thought that was genius because most people have, you know, even if it's a 10 minute, most people have a commute time, which we have effectively saved that time, haven't we? So, you know, I've been... Pretend it's your commute. Yes. Pretend it's it's your commute. commute. Use that commute time to communicate. I just thought it was such a brilliant reframe because I know, you know, and I'm sure you're feeling the same way. Time feels very squeezed right now for a lot of us working parents. Absolutely. I think the space-time continuum has collapsed on us. Like and that is back to the boundaries. Mm. There is no time. And it, look, this is unsustainable. And I will say to any woman out there who is the she-fault parent right now, we're all in this together. This is the societal product of a hundred years. It's going to feel, you know, stressful and overwhelming, but even those small wins, right? The clearly defined expectations, having your partner take one card off your plate, whether it be dishes or laundry or any of the dirty dozen, half a day of homeschool, that can gain time back for you. So that's why investing in these conversations are so important. Knowing your role, having clearly defined expectations is all about efficiency. And that's what we need now more than ever. 
Yes. And yep. also, I think that's really it. It's like understanding that we are all in this together. But to get that time back, it does require some investment in some systems, right? Into this idea of knowing in advance who's doing what. When you're setting the table, when you're hangry and cranky, right? That is a double up. It's inefficient. You're both yelling at each other, who's involved, knowing who's going to set the table in advance, who's in charge of the meals in advance, who's helping to you know homeschool your children in advance, who's doing the laundry in advance. These are all things. And by the way, I will say, let's do a deep dive into homeschool. Can we go? Let's do homeschooling. Because I think you said, Zoe, that it's probably something your listeners want to talk about. Yeah. So one point I want to make is obviously we have to burn guilt and shame. Like we've talked about before, fuck all that guilt and shame. It is not for us. Let's get it off our plates. I think this is a great time to do the exercise that I did before my book tour, which Zoe, I think you and I talked a little bit about this idea of guilt and shame. Take a piece of paper, grab a Sharpie, put guilt and shame on that piece of paper, fold it up, burn it, burn it, burn it today and talk to it and say, thank you, guilt and shame. You've helped me in your past. This is what I did before my book tour. I said, thank you, guilt and shame. You probably are the reason that I got out of, you know, sort of the single parent household with a lot of stress and trauma. My brother ended up sort of addicted to drugs and with disabilities that he wasn't able to overcome. I got out probably because of guilt and shame, but now I don't need you anymore. Yeah. We do not need guilt and shame right now. Those are toxic emotions. We just have to burn it. So whatever you're doing for your kids, as long as they are fed and alive, you are amazing. You are amazing. So let's talk about homeschooling. Yes, it feels overwhelming. Yes, there's a thousand, you know, logins, portals. Your children are going to be fine. And that's because all the research shows that really success is about executive function and these soft skills of emotional communication. Yes. So what I would say to your kids is engage them in fair play because that's those skills. All fair play is, is learning how to do a task from start to finish. Conception, planning, and execution, executive function. All fair play is, is communication tools. So what I've been doing with my kids is involving them in fair play. And it's been really helpful. That's my homeschool by saying, here, guys, here's the hundred cards that your dad and I have been negotiating behind the scenes. And now that they're visible to you because you're in the home, I want you to understand what does it mean? What does it mean to do laundry from start to finish? And then my son will say to me, well, it's actually a pain in the ass because you have to set a timer because it doesn't just mean putting it in with the two oils. This is my eight-year-old. He'll say, you need two oils, not just one oil. You need the oil that makes the clothes clean. You need the oil that gets them soft. You put them in the washer, but then you have to set a timer to remember to take them out. And then you actually have to fold them. So we've been going on the fair play, you know, so just going on the website and clicking cards and seeing what it means to do a task from start to finish. Mm. So I will say that engaging your kids in either the fair play cards or what your tasks are at home from start to finish is a really beautiful lesson right now and something that they can engage in as young as seven. My eight-year-old holds the laundry card from start to finish on weekends. And sometimes that does, of course, require reminders for him, but saying things to him like, Ben, this isn't fair play because you aren't doing it from start to finish. Remember, start to finish. What does start to finish mean? So I will say that 
some of the practical home economics of what they used to call it, but completing a task from start to finish is something we can teach our kids right now. Yeah. And that is watching them in the home. And I've been looking up some studies, actually, because I've had so many of my clients feeling so guilty that they're not homeschooling and a lot of fear that their kids are falling behind. So I've been pulling out some studies about success measures, how success in future life is measured. And they're all pretty unequivocal, as you said. It's not down to grades or academics as to what makes someone a happy, successful person. And I think intuitively, we all know that. But it's when it comes to our children, like I can see how triggering it is. You know, I'm not homeschooling, but I I still get triggered. I'm on this WhatsApp group and Jesse's only four. But, you know, there's a lot of other parents are doing a lot, you know, and I even I have made that decision. It's part of my values. You know, Guy and I agreed that at the start of this, we're not going to do it because it feels like just too much on top of both of us working and having a newborn. But I so still, by the way, that's very fair play, right? To start with your why and your values. I love yeah. that you aligned on that. Yeah. And I'm hoping, like, are we going to do this? I couldn't have. Can we talk about that for a second? Can you talk about how you had that conversation? Because that's such an important conversation about how you aligned on that. When this happened, you know, and she's not usually even at school, she's at preschool. And the preschool said, you know, we're going to be sending out these packs and we're going to be doing these daily videos. I sort of said to Guy, what do you reckon? And we sat down and had the conversation and you know, for us, both of us, I'm lucky that we're quite aligned on our values. And for us, you know, emotional development, feeling secure through a crisis, feeling happy and able to feel connected to us through this is top of our priority. And I kind of knew that if perhaps we tried to do it, you know, that might bring stress into our relationship. It might make me stress, him stress. And I just thought it's not worth it. She's only yeah. four. She's only four. You know, in many countries around yes. the world, they don't start yes. school till seven. So to me, it's kind of bonkers anyway, but that's my personal view. But I think what I'm hearing is a lot of fear, actually. I think parents are in a lot of fear that their children are going to f- somehow fall behind or somehow be limited in life because they miss three months of school. You know, it's kind of crazy to me because I don't know about you, Eve, but I was really, really great academically. It was almost, as you said, it was one of my roots out of fairly dysfunctional home life, but I didn't have any of the emotional learnings underpinning it. So I bottomed out. I didn't know how to function. So for me and Guy, like our top value is emotional development, way above academics. Because I think actually, if you have esteem and you know, as you say, if you know how to finish a task from end to finish and you know how to be responsible, I believe you can then go on and do anything. Yes, I just got chills. I think that's so beautiful. And I'm hoping you'll, I need to follow up with you because we're doing a fair play documentary on values and care. So I hope you and Guy will come on a Zoom with me because I think that's what you just said is so beautiful. It gave me chills because it's everything. Aligning on those values, understanding what really matters. Mm -hmm. And for you having that conversation, not wanting to burn out your four-year-old understanding that societal pressures are crazy and you can sort of push back on those boundaries. That's what I ask. I have a whole chapter devoted to pushing back on this idea that having it all means doing it all. And just understanding that, you know, emotional connection and curiosity to completion is really the keys for success. I mean, that's what we're learning about the brain. Executive function is a lot of how people are successful later in life. And like you said, it's not correlated to academics per se. It's correlated to being like a whole human being. I hope that, you know, 
in terms of the homeschooling and all the pressures that maybe your listeners feel that they can join us in this journey to understand that they're enough for their kids, right? Just connecting with them a little bit, you know, as much as they can, doing as much as they feel, getting on the same page as their partner. Those things are going to be more important, of course, than a rainbow colored, you know, the home schedule. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess for those who, you know, everyone's values are different. So for some people, they might have totally opposite values to you and I, that academics and homeschooling might be top of their values right now. And I guess then it's, you know, using that daily check-in and thinking about the daily responsibilities that I know you talk about a lot to figure out how they're going to make that work in their family. Exactly. That's it. If it is a top value to you and your kids still need that supervision, then yes, it is about getting rid of the dirty dozen off your plate and who's doing that in advance so that you have this time and space to help with your kids, those values and that homeschooling so that no one is burning out. And I think that even if that is your top of your values, I have this couple who it is the top of their values, that their child have perfect attendance on their Zoom calls for school. And so for them, it is still understanding that even with that, They want to check in and have a mental health day for their kids where there's a full day where they have the time off when it's not on the Zooms, that they don't have to do the extra homework. So really it is about aligning on your values. But I will say that this is unsustainable. So anybody who's feeling that extra mental weight or that extra stress, this unsustainability is, I think, weighing on a lot of people. Mm. And so just to know that if you had values of being those perfect attendance parents, and then you want to change your values now, or vice versa, you started off like us, right? More like us on our side, where it's more about emotional connection. And now you want to increase the homeschooling because you feel like it's time. Just sit down at the table. That's what the nightly check-ins are for to redeal, to be able to change. Nothing is set in stone. And I think the flexibility of understanding that, that you don't have to be the same person today as you are tomorrow or you were yesterday because you know we're all handling this very unusual time differently. And you talked about a word just kind of jumped out for me then was you said, we don't want to burn out. And I wondered if you could talk to your happiness trio idea Because I think not burning out, you know, I've been talking about survival. Like for me, my objective through this time is connecting with the girls and guy and surviving it. Well, that's what I love. I mean, you're still here, Zoe. You're still sharing with the world. Yeah. And I think that's really important because that's what fills us up, right? Being who we are, being uniquely you. And how are we sharing with that with the world? And, And you and I talked about this in our first episode together where these ideas of like, finding your passion and purpose and all this bullshit sounds completely overwhelming if there's not in the context of domestic rebalance. So I'm not going to add that to women's plates right now, but I will say it's actually very important. This idea of unicorn space, which I talk about, right? This idea of even carving out this hour that you're doing to share with the world, Zoe, or whoever you are out there, whether it's baking, right? Whether it's writing down in your journal for 15 minutes every night, whether it's being curious about something new, maybe COVID made you curious about something new, spirituality, higher purpose, going back and reading Plato. I have no idea what it is, but investing in that curiosity is the most important thing you can do for yourself right now, because I'll tell you why it avoids burnout, because it allows you to be unavailable. 
And every woman, especially in hetero cisgender relationships are saying to me right now that they have no permission to be unavailable, that they feel like they have to be available to everybody at all times right now. So when you can carve out five, 10, 20, 30 minutes for yourself to say, I am unavailable right now because I am reading Plato or I'm unavailable right now because I am baking a gluten-free pie that I want to try, which one woman is telling me she's doing, experimenting with celiac recipes. That unavailability is really the key to our mental health right now. It's like, even if we are allowing that boundary, right? It's like, it, it is all coming in on us. So I think just saying, nope, you know, I understand there's lots of craziness out there. I can deal with it in 10 minutes, but it does require that fortitude. It requires knowing your why, that your unicorn space, right? What makes you you, Zoe, is your conversations. You have a beautiful voice. Thank you. Um, and I don't, I don't mean your actual voice, which is nice too, but you're, you know, before I went on your first episode, I got to listen to some of your other episodes. I mean, you have a really important message and it would be a shame, right? If we didn't get to continue to hear it. So even if it means carving out that time with your two daughters melting down and poor guy, you know, just having to deal with it. I'm glad that you're making that permission to be unavailable right now. Yeah, because I think what you say is so important. I had these brilliant authors. Did you read the book Burnout by Amelia and Emily Nagoski? If you yes, haven't, you yes, would love it. I you love would it. love it. I love that book. And they kind of talk about that, that. The opposite of burnout is what you talk about, you know, is swinging that pendulum back to giving ourselves some time. They say it doesn't matter, which is almost what you're saying. It doesn't matter if we get stress. Stress and overwhelm are going to happen, especially right now. But if we don't then counter that with doing something for ourselves, like I'm doing now, and I might do a yoga class later when the girls are in bed, Great. that, that is when we burn out, isn't it? When we can't Absolutely. start to it fill It is unsustainable. And yeah. you know what? Can I tell you, which is really interesting, Zoe, that some women have said to me that burnout for them was only cured by divorce. And I think it's an interesting point because... So many women said to me that divorce was their antidote to burnout because it finally gave them that physical space not to have their kids. And so I just don't want it to get there because I grew up in a household like that, a single parent household. And I just wish we could just create divorce for married people. So that's sort of what fair play is. Divorce for married people, the permission to be unavailable. Yeah, it's so true. Actually, I said that to Guy once. I think when Jesse, my four-year-old was young, I said, you know, one of our friends got divorced. And I said, well, you know, is it wrong that I'm kind of envious that she has every other weekend to herself? And you know what he said to me? It was so interesting. He said, so if you want a weekend to yourself, just ask me. And I thought, well, that's what I'm saying. Don't ask. We don't ask. I thought, shit, I never asked. So that's it. That was a real turning point. So now we have, you know, actually... That year, I had a week to myself. I went on a retreat for a week. He gave me an inch and I took a mile. But, oh my God, I love that. But it's so true. It's so true. And I, I went off my headphones because I figured in our last five minutes, um, you can bring Ben in here, but this is Zach. Zach is here. He just came in because I have to go. We're going to do some PE right now together. But we were talking before about homeschooling and sort of doing tasks from start to finish. So can you talk a little bit about sort of how you're involved in fair play at 11? Yeah. Well, the cards I hold, I hold the dishes. I do the morning routine to get everybody to the breakfast table on time. And I take care of my sister. 
And the most important thing about fair play is to CPE it and do it from start to finish. So if you're doing the dishes and you just wash them and put them in the, the dishwasher, the dishwasher yeah. you can't just leave it there. Then you have to take it out and put it back in the cupboards where they belong. That's start to finish. That's amazing, Zach. And how do you feel when you finish that task? Does it make you feel good? Yeah, it makes me feel like I completed something and it makes me feel good. That's amazing. Oh, well, thank you for sharing your experience. What a bonus to have you on too, Zach. My co-host. He just walked in, so I figured he could, you can hear it from him. He's been brainwashed into the system. But I keep saying, like, there's one man out there, right, with there's what, he may be 11, but who understands the importance of doing housework. So that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are coming to a close because I know you've got a PE date with your son. But you, yes. you'll know I asked the same question at the end of interview. So, Eve, what's the one gift that you would give to mothers right now in this pandemic and why? Well, you know my answer, Zoe. I'm going to say time because I want, as Mother's Day comes up, which we all have probably forgot about. But as Mother's Day is coming up, ask for what you need. Ask for what you need. And so I'd love to gift everybody here some permission to be unavailable without guilt and shame in the form of time. Beautiful. So that's it. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. If you were listening to that episode, thinking about one of your friends that they might benefit from what we were chatting about, then just tag them in on Instagram. My bio will include the link to the podcast so they can find it really easily from there. People often tell me they're desperate to share it with their friends. So if that's you, then please do. I feel like the guests that we have on the podcast, their wisdom just deserves to be heard far and wide. So help me make that happen. I'd be very grateful. And also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one with mums on my programme which is a three-month program called Reconnect to You. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care.